irreverent, entertaining, cool. You're listening to LA Talk Radio. You're listening to Animal News Magazine with Nancy DeFabio, only on L.A. Talk Radio. Good morning, good evening, good everything to all you listeners and listener land here. Uh, the animal meat companies cannot beat the plant-based meat market, so they joined in. The amazing tardy-grade, chubby, tough, and stuck on the moon... These are some of the stories we'll be covering, by the way. South Africa's new savage look. These are just a few of the topics we'll be covering today. Hello, I am William Mayoff. And I am Nancy DeFabio. Welcome to Animal News Magazine. It helps if I talk to the to the microphone, as Dale, our producer, just told me. So this is a live radio show about animals. You're welcome. We don't need a laugh track. We don't need a laugh. So topics here range from animals and science to animals and entertainment to people who don't know how to talk into a microphone on a live radio show. No, you do, but the microphone is like 10 feet away from you, but that's fine. Animals play an important role in our daily lives. They really do. And so this show is about increasing our knowledge, giving you facts, information, and especially our opinion on those issues. And from that information, you can draw your own conclusions. We're not here with propaganda. We're not on the left or on the right. We just want to inform you. And you can let us know um, what you think. The call-in number today is 323-203-0815. Give us a call to talk about anything, even remotely related to animals. So 323-203-0815. But before we start, I'd like to tell you this little story. So this man, Travis, he really does not like, he can't stand his wife's cat, Roxanne. So... He, 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 he can't stand this cat so much, Roxanne, that he drives her to the next town. He jumps her there, right on the side of the road. So when he gets home, when Travis gets home, there was Roxanne. She was home. So the next day he says, okay. He drove 50 miles out of town, and he dropped her off on the side of the road again. 50 miles out of town. One when he gets home, 5-0, really far. Wow. So he gets home, and what do you know? Roxanne is, Roxanne is there. So the next day he said, okay, I'm, I'm done with this cat, okay? He drives her to the next county, which is like 100 miles away. And he heads back home. Very happily, finally got rid of Roxanne. Six hours later, while he's driving, he calls his wife Dora and asks, Dora, is that darn cat home? So, yes, why, she asks. Travis says, Put her on the phone. I'm lost. <laughs> That's very good. I like that one. That was great, man. I'm missing your calling you know, the next, next, next stop for you is the Laugh Factory. I, I thought there was a cute one. I can't follow that. That's just fantastic. It okay, really is. so Dale is making sure that everything's okay. Yeah. We're up and up. <clears throat> you okay. said earlier in the introductory remarks that we're not on the left side, the right side. No. We are on the right side of everything. Well, okay. yeah, <laughs> we're on the right side of everything. Okay, right. so that's that's your uh, that's your little uh, pause for the day. <laughs> I deserve all the applause. Thank you, our city audience. Okay, we love let's you get all. let's get to the story here. Animal meat companies are jumping on the plant-based wagon, a trend that is becoming increasingly popular. You know, we hear about the Impossible Meat Burgers, the On Meat Burgers, and Subway's coming out with some marinara subs. With some impossible meat. Now, this is exciting stuff. It's great. Now, the entry of these huge wealthy companies presents a challenge to startups and other fledgling companies that have centered their whole business, some of them their whole life, on plant-based meat. In June of this year, Tyson Foods, the country's largest meat producer, recently announced that it will produce plant-based meat products under the Raised and Rooted brand. They intend to release nuggets to retailers this summer and a blended burger product in the fall. After the announcement, shares of Beyond Meat plummeted about 4% in pre-market trading. Didn't know that. Most people probably don't know that Tyson held a 6.5% share in Beyond Meat, but Tyson sold the shares in April in anticipation of launching its own alternative meat 
company. Beyond Meat has the, uh, had the strongest initial public offering of the year, with stocks soaring 468% and a market value of about $8.3 billion. That's B as in boy. Right. But Thursday's fall in share prices may indicate that the market perceives Tyson as a challenge to the younger, smaller company. Right. A moral paradox here, a moral dilemma. Oh, well, well, you know what? But meanwhile, beyond me, you know, the, the, the David took on the, the Goliath. And we're not yeah, but they're the, the ones who made a big sacrifice. I mean, they probably sacrificed their homes. They're the, the real pioneers, the ones who really took a chance. Tyson bought some shares, got in, learned a few things, got out. <coughs> you know, I mean, don't count them out. What do you do? What do you? What do you saying? The uh, the final funeral? No, I'm I'm just concerned. I mean, actually, it's it. it there are two. Well, go on with the story. The, you what? You're, you're delivering a eulogy for uh, Albert <laughs> Beyond Me and Possible Vegas. Are you kidding? They're going to be in no, hospitals. No, I'm 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 going place. to continue to buy from them. First of all, they're pl- the, the, the those Tyson burgers. I don't know if they're uh, they might have eggs in them. Let's see what happens. And if they do have eggs in them, let me tell you, they're not pasture raised organic eggs. But they're from know, suffering chickens, as Dale likes to say. <laughs> you know what might happen? I don't eat suffering chicken eggs. <laughs> But Tyson might just buy, they just might buy one of the big boys out, like Impossible Burger or Beyond Meat. They might just want to buy them out. Yeah, okay. Like Eve Veggie Cuisine. Yeah, and then just phase them out. So less and less people have options. You mean like doing the telephone mergers? How informative and educational is this Animal Magazine show? We're talking about mergers now, right? T-Mobile and Sprint. What does that do for the consumer? Nothing. It's terrible. What does that do for the animals? What does that do for our cause? And CBS and Verizon. Who cares? So, back to the, the more important news at hand here, okay? Well, Beyond Meat had the strongest initial pu- uh, public offering. We've said that. Uh, now there's a little bit of uneasiness because of Tyson's entry into the market after it ripped off some of its know-how. Right. So Tyson's not only the big player entering this heated market. Nestle, as in Nestle's class. Huge, huge. Swedish, it's, it's, I think it's a, it's a Swedish Swiss. huge multinational. No, it's not Swedish. It's Swiss chocolate. Swiss, but it Swiss owns chocolate. so many products. It does. Nestle recently announced that it will launch a pea protein-based, spelled P-E-A, a pea protein-based burger in the fall in the United States under the brand Sweeter. Beyond Meat uses pea protein and canola oil, while major competitor Impossible Foods uses a soy-based protein and coconut oil. Other meat giants, such as Cargill, have made investments in cell-cultured meat companies, such as Memphis Meats, which is said to be close to launching products. Everybody's launching. Right, which is good news. I need a burger. It means it's a good business decision. Right. So this is also a stock investment show here. You know, I was checking, consult with your own experts. We have... Full disclaimers here, but uh, this is a very you know so show. far in 2019, more than 216 million meatless burgers have already been consumed. That's beautiful. So, and by the way, a lot of meat the people have been eating these veggie burgers too. So it's, it goes across exactly. It goes all across, across the whole LGBT thing. Everybody. Eats That's it. why I'm not totally against the whole Tyson move because those people are not actually vegetarians or vegans or whatever, but they want to, for health purposes, for whatever reason, right. want to maybe change it up a little bit. They're more likely to go for a Tyson, you know. And we're happy to have the meat, the, the, Absolutely. the carnivores eat their veggie burgers. Absolutely. It's good for everybody. I mean, yeah. Exactly. Plus, they'll be less constipated because veggie burgers are the way to go. People want and to I just think it's healthier all around, but people can make their own decision. I, I think eventually there'll be, there'll be more profit in a veggie burger than traditional beef burger. Because if you think about it, you have to take care of a cow. you got to feed the cow. you got to, you know, gallons take and the gallons cow to the water. vet. Water. You know, Earth and you, the water. You know, you, all this maintenance that goes into a cow, whereas with, like, I don't know, chickens might be, you know, eggs might be a cheaper source of protein for the burger. Right. I think I think and eventually beef. the cost of a veggie burger is going to go down and become more profitable for. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a simpler business producers. plan. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot cleaner. And because also the cow, with you know, they they leave uh, the cow farts and doesn't help with global warming. Correct. Right. And uh, and what about all that water and the footprint with the cow? That's what I'm saying. What there the might water? be environmentalists out there. Actually, I have some statistics. I might be able to pull yeah, them up water later. How much cows um, require to produce a burger? The cows actually don't consume that much water, right. but the feed, 
the alfalfa yeah. and the corn. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of water. Yeah. It's a lot of land. It's a lot of work. So even those yeah. environmentalists who don't really, they'll eat their, their meat, whatever, but they will probably go, you know, they'll buy the Tyson products. And, you know, the, the diehards like me who stay true to their pioneers will go and get, uh, especially since I want a vegan burger. I don't want one with eggs. So uh, I think there's a market for everybody. Yes, I agree. Smithfield Foods, the world's largest producer of pork products, a subsidiary of China's WH Group, announced the launch of its first meat-free products. Meat-free products. Right. Very nice. So China's getting into this, right? Of course. China's in everything. Yeah, will, will they be lead-free, Nancy? Probably not. Well, well we hope so. <laughs> well, we hope they'll be lead-free. The Smithfield-owned pure farmland brand mimics Beyond Meats and Impossible Foods bleeding plant meat products that have started a revolution in recent months. Pure Farmland will launch eight initial products including plant-based burgers, meatballs, breakfast patties, and ground beef-style protein starters. And I was reading... You know, that what makes the Impossible Burger bleed and have that red quality, like it's a rare burger inside, I was telling you, it's Hemi, H-E-M-E, I believe. Never heard of it. Yeah, it's Hemi. And uh, I think it's the root of the soya plant. And it gives it that raw meat-looking feeling. So all you guys who like that bloody burger. No, not me. I don't like that look. Uh, same here. I like no. a little cooked too, too. too. So anyway, some of the items will also feature vegan cheese, a burger with dairy-free cheddar, and meatballs with dairy-free Parmesan. It's the first time a U.S. A major U.S. pork producer has launched both plant-based meat and dairy products at once. Smithfield Foods has been criticized for its treatment of hogs. Mm -hmm. Undercover drone footage in 2014 exposed massive manure lagoon runoff linked to widespread air and water pollution in North Carolina. Other investigations have exposed animal abuse by Smithfield employees. Well, you know, it's not specific about their mistreatment of hogs. Well, I mean, just look, just the nature of the business. These hogs are held. They can't, they can't even turn around. They're, they're just like, they can't lie down. They just have to stay straight all the time. They're confined in these very tiny quarters. So just the nature of the industry itself is cruel. But I'm thinking, you know, that's kind of smart of these people to do that because by going into the plant-based business, they're kind of tempering their bad reputation a little bit. They're showing, True. hey, look at us. We're nice we're guys. Green. We're, we're open-minded. We're green. Yep. You know, we're thinking True. about the, the plant-based farmer, you know. It's a blah blah blah, so it's 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 smart PR. It's good PR, and but you know the ends justify the means. If you get more people to eat less hogs, then maybe that's it good. Will, it will you know it will diminish in popularity, and then maybe the pendulum will shift towards yeah. All you the know that's that's products. good. You know, but yeah, the the, the hog actually. industry is horrible. I have a question. So I'm driving on the uh, probably the five freeway a few days ago, rush hour. And there's an 18-wheel rig to my right. Yeah. Okay, 18-wheel rig. And it looked like there were a whole bunch of hogs on there, but the furry kind too and all? Yeah. Were they being driven off for slaughter someplace? Yes, they were being transported really? to some abattoir or something. Because I saw the snouts, the noses. Yeah, and the, poor the, babies. The and it breaks my heart. Driven off the slaughter, right? Yeah. You know, how disgusting. And pigs are so smart. They are so smart. And we can go ahead and use the substitute meats. Yeah. So many varieties, so varied. So That's what I'm saying. It's maybe it's a needless. good, you know, we should be a little bit more open-minded about these meat producers. Right. I mean, they have a lot of blood on their hands, literally. But, hey, you know, if it means that this person who's not necessarily a vegetarian or vegan wants to, you know, for health, for, they have cholesterol, you know, they, they want to lose some weight, whatever the deal is hey it's a way to go so well there's been Good. a shift toward the growing plant meat category uh, away from them and of course towards the plant-based uh, hamburger as we've said um there is a fear also uh that they're trying to do a little bit of a you know sleight of hand and they're trying to distract promotions that and, and so that will the public will not see the shenanigans they yeah do. exactly so we have that's one of the purposes of our show we're not left, we're not right, but we're on the right side of things. And if there's BS We're on the going fair on, side of we're things. We're on the right side. We're on the animal side. So if they're mistreating animals and throwing chickens against the wall, we're here to go ahead and, and shed light on that. That's been known to be true, by the way. I know. Um, 
By February 2020, the brand will be available at over 5,000 retail stores. Which brand is that? That's Smithfield Foods. Okay. Uh, yeah. I heard of Smith. Where is Smith? No, that's different than the supermarket in Las Vegas. Oh. Let's shift a little bit here. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'll shut up next time. Let's shift. Now that's Smith's Foods you know, in we, Vegas. We had an unpleasant... This is always hands-on. Ring this the bell. is a reality show, too, right, Nancy? We're not on the left, we're on the right, but on the right side of animals <laughs> and the issues. So we went into a Carl's Jr. That's a burger All joint right. down here in Los Angeles. And they were saying, if you say Beyond uh, Magic, whatever the Beyond Burger is, that the guy will just whip into his back pocket and present you with a beautiful... Uh, was it an Impossible Burger or Beyond Burger? I think it's impossible. impossible. I don't know. Imp- I think it's Beyond uh, Impossible Burger. I think I'm is not that sure. What I don't Carl's remember. Was that a, I don't remember. I didn't go. I wasn't. No, no. It's a Beyond Meat Burger. We'll upgrade to Beyond Meat upgrade. It was Beyond something. Yeah, Beyond Meat. So upgrade. the guy looked at me at the counter and he, he looked. You know, he wondered what the cat dra- dragged me into the Carl's Jr. fast food restaurant, and that was not cool. And he didn't even know what a rain check was. So I really went there. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's nice time. that they carry Carl's Jr. But when you have a promo, you should try to, uh, you know, make it up to the uh, to the to the customers. And well, they probably just had like twenty burgers, and twenty people showed up right away, and that was that. Not so nice. fast food chains, including Burger King, Carl's Jr., and White Castle back east, are serving burgers made by both Beyond Meat and Impossible Food. Pizza chains, including Domino's, wow, and Pizza Hut, have had su- significant successes with dairy-free cheeses. That's true. So, I guess that's it for the story. So, um, I think this country produces about 50 billion burgers annually, and that would be three for each American, um, which, uh, three each week, I think, for each American. Um, even though diet high in processed meat and red meat is harmful, but we won't go there. Actually, what I really wanted to say is that KFC is serving a vegan chicken sandwich in the UK, in London, and another city. Well, it's a British uh, vegan product. I, they, they cook yeah, KFC in in England. You know, it's uh, going to have what a, a vegan product, uh, vegan chicken. Uh, today, it's uh, not. I don't Beautiful. know when it's going to come here in the, in North America. Beautiful. But um, vegan chicken sandwich in the UK, McDonald's and Chick-fil-A are considering, um, are thinking about a vegan option to their menu. So there's a movement, there's change, there's a shift going on. And it's not just the vegans and the vegetarians. We've got to, you know, give some credit to those people out there just want to be healthier. They want to change it up a little bit. Like I said before, health reasons, uh, weight reasons, environmentalists out there who uh, drive their big SUVs and burn a lot of gas, but at the same time, you know, they want to do what, the little bit that they can. Are the majority of these veggies, veggie meats made in the States? Uh, I think so, yeah. Mm. I think the so. Ones. They're not imported, you know? I think, yeah. Um, oh, yeah, oh, it would be a con- oh, that's a very oh, good question. We should look into no that. there's no quality control yes, that way. they're made in the States. We should look at, yeah, probably. They're made in the States. But uh, my phone... Had a news item there that the British now have formed a company producing vegan meats as well. Maybe yeah. they're supplying Kentucky Pride in Britain. Yeah. Well, that you know, it's what like Dale said before. Maybe the fact that it's a growing, it's growing in popularity. Oh. Plus, it's cheaper to produce. It's easier to produce. You put that together, you say, hey, well, you know, money is money. You know, regardless where it comes from. So, freaking money with plant based, then we'll make money with plant based. Uh, I think the costs are going to go down. Yeah, exactly. So. And a lot of people are going to get a lot skinnier and healthier. That would be nice. A lot of animals are going to live healthy, happy lives. These these veggie products, uh, vegan burgers or whatever, Beyond Meat and uh, Impossible Burgers, they've reached a new uh, echelon of, uh, they've been lifted socially. Okay. Yeah, but what's going to happen to them if these big dudes like Nestle and Cargill, you know, they come in and they, you know, bounce them out of existence. No, no, they're not going to be bounced, they'll be bought out, that's all. But here's the great thing. So you have these veggie vegan hamburgers products that have now shifted and gone now. They're accepted. Yes. The big companies know that they're money-making potential. And now you've never seen historically, you know, sustained vegan hamburger at Burger King, Carl's Jr., no. McDonald's is considering, 
you know, we didn't have these stories years ago. This no. is great. Yeah, let's so, talk about tardigrades. Okay, we could do that too. Earlier this year, an unmanned Israeli lander crashed on the surface of the moon, stranding a payload of virtually indestructible microscopic animals called tardigrades. Well, that sucks. The, uh, the Bereshit lunar lander mission on April 11th was historic. It was the first Israeli aircraft, excuse me, spacecraft to travel beyond Earth's orbit and the first private landing on the moon. But things didn't go as planned. Seconds before Bereshit, that's Hebrew for the beginning, was supposed to land, it lost contact with the control room. During the braking procedure, the main engine stopped operating. By the time it was brought back online, it was too late for a soft landing, and Bereshit crashed onto the surface. A couple seconds for Bereshit crashing. I pay my respects. On board was a lunar library as a time capsule for the combined knowledge of human civilization. The library contained samples of human DNA and 30 million pages of digital and analog data, including a full copy of Wikipedia, an Israeli flag. What does that say about us? <laughs> a full copy of Wikipedia. I wonder how long that is. An Israeli flag, a Torah and a copy of the Israeli Declaration of Independence. It also housed thousands of tardigrades, microscopic eight-legged animals. These are microscopic eight-legged animals, also known as water bears. The creatures were chosen for the unique biological qualities. Tardigrades have the ability to survive for incredibly long periods without food or water, entering a dormant phase where their metabolic functions come to a complete stop. Amazing. In lab conditions, scientists have brought tardigrades back to life after 10 years in this state. Didn't they have a Star Trek original with Rathof Khan? Yeah. And oh, he right. But he was, it was more he goes, like... He sleeps there. Remember uh, Rathof Khan? Yeah. What's his real name? Kardamon. Ricardo Montalban. Ricardo Montalban. Great actor. Came back out of sleep and what condition he was in. Yeah, he was a hunk of burning love. That's what he was. Total vegan. <laughs> yeah. Total vegan. But it's not clear how long they could last in the near vacuum of the moon. According to scientists, chances that the tardigrades survive the crash are extremely high. Well, that's great if they survive yeah, the crash but, yeah, of this Israeli rocket. But having those creatures unmonitored on the moon's surface, even in suspended animation, has some scientists concerned, mostly for reasons of the potential contamination of the moon. Fascinating show, Nancy. I didn't know about any of this stuff. Yeah. And are we going to be contaminating our moon? Yes. This is. But this it's already contaminated anyway. It's got good. a lot of junk on it. They're going to have another thing against the Jews and the Israelis here for contaminating the moon now. Are you kidding Actually, me? there are some scientists. I don't know. It's not an anti-Semitic God. remark. There are scientists who are concerned. I mean, you have have these mic. You know, these tardigrades now. They're going to perish eventually. They're not going to. They can't live forever. You know. Um, okay, maybe but I, I think that I mean there's other stuff up there that. Well, know. here it goes. Another four years, four and a half years, five years with another moon mission not planned until 2024. It is unlikely that the targets will be rescued in time, even if they survive. They are doomed. Uh huh. What do they look like? They um they look like uh, miniature hippopotami with a lot of legs, with the face of a pig. And the body of... So these are real organisms? Yeah, but they're microscopic. I mean, we really pushed the show a little bit because they're really microbes. They're not even bugs. They're like, you have to see them under a microscope. Can our favorite listeners, all of them, can they get go to Google Image and look Absolutely. up tardigrades? Absolutely, yes. Here's how you spell tardigrades. T as in Tom, A-R-D as in David, I-G-R-A-D-E-S, tardigrades. So that's, so that's fascinating. Scientific American's Caleb Scharf believes that tardigrades were probably already on the moon's surface before the Bereshit incident. That's good. Where did we harvest these animals or get them from, the tardigrades? Oh, I don't know. They've been around since, like, uh, the 18th century. You don't know where we got them from? Mm, They've probably been around for for hundreds of years. What country, what city they were taken from? Somewhere in Israel? Oh, Israel. These are Israeli tardigrades. Thank you. That's what I'm asking. The tiny animals have existed on our planet for more than 
530 million years through five mass extinctions. Sharp argues meteor impact ejections from Earth there may have go. wound up there at some point and left tardigrade fossil samples, or even hibernating tardigrades. So there could be a tardigrade reunion on the moon for all we know, right? Possibly, yeah. There could be others, but I don't know if they're alive or dead. I don't think the atmosphere would sustain a tardigrade for that long. But um, Well, maybe they went into hibernation mode. Well, they do, but only for a period of time. They could be partying unbeknownst to us. Well, I hope so. But we're on the right side of things, man. Yes, we are. Tardigrades or water bears have become a popular subject of research with studies isolating the genes that trigger their hibernation and implanting it into other organisms. The U.S. military is funding studies, for example, that use tardigrade DNA to preserve vaccines, human blood, and organs. Although NASA has criticized the failed mission, America's space agency has done its part to contaminate the surface of the moon, too. Apollo 11 astronauts left almost 100 bags of feces there in 1969. I didn't know that. This is, this is crapping all over my beautiful celebration, yeah. the 50 year anniversary of Neil Armstrong, Buzz Aldrin, Michael Collins. Yeah. Sounds like they San left, Francisco. This is terrible. Do they have caca on the moon? Well, they have, yeah. But Neil Armstrong's caca? <laughs> it better be, yes. Yeah. That's worth a hell of a lot on Amazon and all. You remember? Smile.com. the moon. You can't buy it. Maybe Blagojevich wants to sell that too. And he went to jail for selling Obama's sentence. Yeah. This so, is so fascinating. This show, Nancy. This I'm amazing. Away. But I want to talk a little bit about wow. tardigrades. So. They were discovered in the 18th century by this German zoologist. Uh, actually, he was a pastor. His name was Johann August Ephraim Gysi. And these animals are microscopic animals, if you will. Um, they're about a one millimeter long, and they're, they're, they're also known as, uh, William was saying, they're known as water bears, but also as moss piglets, Um and they resemble like I was. They resemble like eight-legged maggots. Um, with some say they have like sphincter-like faces, but I kind of like to. They're more like piglet-like faces. Um, How many feet? Uh, Legs. They're they're known. As, they're eight-legged maggots. That's why they were late for the party because he was putting his shoes on. Remember exactly like the centipede. Like Maybe the centipede. they can win a, a game. Yeah. Um, they are considered. Okay, let's go back to what we said. They're the hardiest animals on Earth. That's why they're very, very good in, so far as studying because uh, they've been found on mountaintops in scorching deserts, and they're in, they've been found surviving in subglacial lakes in Antarctica. So if you want to learn more about tardigrades, there's this book called The Hidden Powers of Animals by Dr. Carl Schuker. Um, he claims that these little beasts survived being frozen in liquid helium and being boiled at 149 degrees Celsius. I mean, they're, you, t- you say cockroaches are, are wow. indestructible? Wow. So imagine like really studying their components, their chemistry, their biology, how it could benefit humanity. Um, they shriv- What they do is they shrivel up into a seed-like pod. Um, they expel nearly all their water, uh, which kind of Puts raises like lowers their metabolism, and in this state, the animals can hunker down and survive conditions that would be fatal to any other animal, human, non-human. Um, they can survive the harsh radiation uh, of space travel. They can do that as they did in this example. So, um, huh. very hard. They go into a porcupine it, mode, it, and they can even. Survive Russian radiation and Russian... Uh, yeah, they, 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 they expel all their water and they go mm-hmm. into uh, a dormant state, I guess like a lizard would. So people are studying them as to uh, as far as the aging process goes. How come they can... Because let's say they go into a dormant state. Ten years later, they wake back up. They haven't aged a day. They haven't aged a minute. So they're trying to... You know, scientists are trying to learn from that and see how can we help humans, uh, you know, slow down their aging process. So... That's it for the tardigrades. Let's go on. In April of this year, Lord Ashcroft, <clears throat> pardon me, the former deputy chairman of the Conservative Party in the UK, made serious disclosures about the captive red lion industry in South Africa. Lord Ashcroft called on the South African government <clears throat> to halt the horrific and abusive activity of lion farming and urged the UK government to bring in new import laws 
to discourage the practice. Lord Ashcroft has written a series of newspaper articles on lion farming, in which thousands of Africa's most iconic animals are bred to be killed for their bones or hunting or as hunting trophies. He commissioned a year-long undercover investigation, codenamed Operation Simba, involving former special forces and security operatives. The result was a disturbing insight into the full horrors and illegal practices linked to lion farming. The booming trade in lion skeletons is worth over $12 million U.S. a year, meeting demands in Southeast Asia and China for so-called traditional medicines, including aphrodisiacs. Lord Ashcroft's disclosures include Wealthy clients are sent brochures with photographs of captive male lions via WhatsApp so they can choose which one to kill. Price range, prices range from 10,000 uh, pounds or 12,000 US dollars to 51,000 US dollars per lion and depend on the size and quality of the mane. This is primitive, disgusting, yeah. abhorrent, sickening that this can happen yeah. in modern times. But in South Africa, you think they'd right. understand with all the apartheid that, okay, all the way down to 29 years ago, you'd think that they'd have learned from all the suffering, but, but hey, but, no. But this is the it's government a money of South business. Africa? Is it the government of South Africa? And England. They're both. Why don't we get more specific as to who's perpetrated it? Well, and we could publish that to our listeners. Well, it's not illegal in South Africa. Well, tiger farming, I mean, lion farming is not illegal. But uh, if there's no market for it, I, don't know well, how I keep saying these. that all the time. You know, the Chinese beat their dogs in, this, in the city centers. And I don't know how you're going to desensitize the public opinion of the Chinese to frown on these practices and not do that. Well, we did have a caller, a guest caller, a few shows ago. Right. And she said how you can. Oh, I, I, she, you know how she said you can appeal to these Chinese? You want to savagely consume, you know, lion bones and stuff. She said, hey, you could tell them that, that uh, I think she, in the case of furs and minks, yeah. you tell them that it's more unhealthy. It's bad for the environment. To wear that. You know, it's very bad. So, uh, but you know what? Call and, and att- you can email us, call us with your support. And just enlighten us if you will. You can call the following number. 323-203-0815. Give us a call. Let us know what you think. 323-203-0815. You don't have to agree with us. We invite all opinions, all points of view. So uh, why don't we just go... Do we have a Skype phone number for them? This is the number that they call. Which is what? 323-203-0815. Okay, cool. Very cool. I'm moving right along. Actually, we have somebody calling here. Hello, this is Nancy O'Nelly Talk Radio. Nancy, this is Kimberly Moore calling from Fur Free Society. How are you? I am fine. Thank you for calling in. Um, so Welcome. we're going to be talking a little bit about the, the horrible um, industry of fur. So could you tell us a little bit about uh, what your role is and what your organization is about? By the way, you're on LA Talk Radio. And we thank you very much for taking the time to be on our show and talk to us. It's very much appreciated. Now you can get into my, Go ahead. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. I'm Kimberly Moore. I'm the Director of Public Relations for Fur Free Society, and we are all working very hard to get uh, bans in place on fur farming because, as you were talking about earlier, the environmental uh, catastrophes that are happening, fur farming is factory farming, and it has that industry has... Um, devastated lakes and rivers all over the world. So we are very interested in protecting animals. I did not know this, Nancy. So what kind of, uh, so can you... Can you name some lakes and rivers and give give us something tangible in people's backyards? Please. Absolutely. So if you take, for example, Nova Scotia up in Canada, that area has um, a high number of mink farms and Three or four decades ago, the lakes up there were just pristine and they were beautiful. Um, the mink farms, the runoff from the animal waste and the chemicals they use have ended up in the lakes. And as a result, we're seeing blue-green algae, which is highly uh, toxic to fish. It pulls the oxygen out of the water, and it's um, actually detrimental to the health of humans. So that's one area, and there's there's places in India and places in China. It's just... Uh, devastating to water, fresh water. Oh, 
So how are the so uh, citizens, how are the residents there reacting? Are they fighting back? Do Nova or? Scotians care? Oh, I'm, I'm sure they do. I mean, th- that water used to be, you know, like for people could take their families and go swimming and go boating. Uh, it's just simply, um, it's just too unhealthy now. And I imagine, but I imagine the property values have gone down as well. So, so, so if the water is polluted and the right. government, so why is the government not doing anything? Who's paying them? I mean, who's there a big lobby group out there? Is it a big business? Why is this happening? Environment Canada. Yeah. Are they, uh, obviously they're not attentive. They don't care. Do you have any information on that? Kimberly? Or are they trying to fix it or? You know, um, we had the same question about Antoine and the hot farming industry. Those industries are are causing environmental damage unprecedented to what we've seen ever before. And we just wonder why politicians aren't, you know, we have to think that there is some some political support by these industries with these politicians. And so, I mean, that's my best guess. I don't know if that's going on in Canada. But typically, you know, it's not unusual for these industries to be... um, you know, in, in, in cohort, so to speak, with the politicians. So are we talking about strictly minks here? Or are we talking is that there's mostly minks? Oh, there's, there's all, I mean, any type of animal that has fur or skin, there's an industry for it, sadly enough. You, you generally hear about foxes and minks and chinchillas, but, I mean, even the skin of donkeys and elephants and just anything that has Literally, there's an industry for it. It's, it's quite sad. But is it an industry in Canada, or are they shipped out somewhere? Well, in Canada, it's, it's the meat farm around the lakes I was talking about earlier. Right. And there's also the seals. And there's been a lot of activity and, and activism trying to get that industry shut down. But, um, but it, yeah, it's primarily the meat in Nova Scotia. Canada had enough shame with the, the, you know, the banging or the clubbing the seals. If that wasn't disgusting yes. enough. So now they have another stain, and that is yeah. the, the minks, the industry in, in Nova Scotia. The, the maritime province there is polluting, doing all the damage you said. Appreciate that. What other What other? Yeah. Not the resources, Kimberly. She's very pleasant. Well, I mean, She's David Suzuki, he's a scientist, and he's the one who was really a prominent speaker against all this pollution. But uh, I, 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 I'm, there must be a big lobby up there that's really... Um, I'm trying to think. I mean, isn't it a dying? I mean, it's not a. Aren't less and less people are buying these products, aren't they? I, I, I'm trying to. I'm hoping. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we've seen um, the fur. I mean, I think in, in the United States, there's certainly a very big anti fur movement. But in China, China remains the, the world's largest producer and consumer of fur. So, I mean, if you look at the raw numbers, we're probably. We're probably about the same level as we were a couple of decades ago, unfortunately. But the good news is more and more countries are passing bans on fur farming. Uh, Germany, Luxembourg, I mean, all over Europe, if they haven't passed a ban already, they have bills pending in their legislature to do so. And also um, in the United States, bills, of course, have been passed in Berkeley, West Hollywood, LA, and San Francisco. And as it turns out, we have a really important bid coming up for California at the end of August because the proposed statewide fur ban is going to be heard by the California Senate Appropriations Committee on August 30th. So we are very, very excited about that. So, and it's probably going to pass in California. It's a very progressive state. As many times as you want and keep us surprised. I'm getting a little agitated because our Skype connection is not as clear as it should. Well, we go in and out, but I, it's it's yeah. it's good enough, I guess. But, so, tell us a little <laughs> bit about um, the cruelty. I mean, I get the polluting part of the. I mean, obviously, all the, the byproducts of making fur. Uh, nobody can doubt that it does cause pollution. What did you want to say? I, I, she's a, she says it more eloquently than I do, Kimberly. But you said because. You're talking Chinese and different values and beating dogs up in the you know the city centers. There was a different approach right. we could use with them. We can appeal to their sense of health and well-being and how the it, it doesn't decompose. We know that, but how on their skin or their backs or it affects the human biology. But weren't you approaching some of, some of those kinds of themes? Yeah, in China, unfortunately, it's not uncommon to see animals um, butchered and skinned right on the street. So people have sort of grown up 
they've seen that they're desensitized to that. However, there is, there are major environmental concerns all over China. And so what's important to the younger generation, you they're very sensitive if a product has envir- negative environmental impacts. So the message that you know, activists, activists are trying to push in China is that you know, if you really love the environment, you're not going to support any form of factory farming, and that includes fur farming. And actually, there was a shift this in China because we were – the U.S. was uh, – shipping off all our plastic uh, garbage over there. They were buying it from us, and now they don't want to buy it from us anymore. So, <laughs> yeah. so, so that's the good news. Is there, you know, like if you can't get into the front door, they, it doesn't matter. You get into the side door, yeah, you know. Yeah, appeal to the side door to their sense of environmental yeah, sensitivity. Yeah, exactly. That maybe you know, they're wearing one too many of those face masks there. You're not face masks, but you know those yeah. surgical masks there in China? That's important. It's horrible. Yeah. So tell and us. And you talk about the cru- the cruelty aspect. Yeah. I mean, people are very familiar with factory farming. They've seen how animals are uh, kept in very uh, small, tight um, cages. California, of course, has taken action against that. It's almost even worse for fur bearing animals because those animals are used to being uh, very free. They, they, they travel miles and miles each night in the wild. And when you put them inside a small cage, and, and literally, <laughs> I hear I hear some of these politicians ask about the size of these cages. Cages, they're literally smaller than the animal if you measure the animal from nose to the end of the tail. And so the animals quite literally, uh, they bang themselves against the cage. They go insane. They um, they self mutilate. It's just horrific. Um, and we've done we we took a look at one for a farm in the United States, and the conditions are are just oh, just unbelievable. And that's the Ruby Fur Farm. Ruby Fur Farm. R-U-B-Y. Where are they located? Are you? They're in Iowa. How do you oh. spell it, Kimberly? So, I'm sorry? How do you spell Ruby Fur Farms? Ruby, Ruby. As in the gem, uh, R-U-B-Y? That's correct. So wait a minute. So people, so, so the, these, these animals live in just hideous conditions. And to what end? Then what do they do? They make they make like a fur coat out of it. Is that what's going on here? You know, they it used to be the long fur coats were the the fashion, you know, the statement. But now people are becoming more sensitive to cruelty to animals. So they're taking the same amount of fur and they're putting it on the trim of coats, jackets, garments, or they're putting on silly little items like trinkets or. Key change, key chains, but it's the same amount of fur and the same amount of animal suffering. And Are the they ma- required to put on the label that this is made from mink or fox or uh, whatever? Or yes, um, it, it, for the last ten years, yes. I mean, there's a there's a federal law that requires them to identify the type of fur and its origin. But like many things, enforcement is very poor. I mean, in order to challenge that, you literally have to go buy the garment, take it to a, a laboratory, pay for the test, prove that it's real animal fur, if it's, it's labeled as faux fur or, or some other animal. There's just really no uh, mechanism in place for citizens to protect themselves. Well, by the, by so the it's time good to have that law in the books. Yeah, it's, but. but I think it's really more a, a, a virtuous thing or the, not for theater, but I mean, it's good. I mean, it's good to have that law. But by the time uh, the, the, the fur item is bleached and dipped in all kinds of chemicals and dyed, I think it's very difficult to test it as a real oh, fur. It's been so modified. Oh, um that you can't you can't really identify it as real fur anymore. Who are the main culprits of buying all these uh, you know the furs with the you know the, the, on the garments as you indicated? Who who are the main consumers and buyers? Well, I would like to think it's the consumers who believe that they're doing the correct thing environmentally, although they have been grossly misled. Um, I think it's either people who think that it's environmentally they bought into the fur industry's message that fur is green and fur is sustainable, or they just simply are not aware of the cruelty. I've never I mean, seen they that just message. Have... But geographically, who are the consumers? Right. Americans, Canadians, Mexicans, Chinese, you know, Asians? Who are the consumers who buy these furs? Across the board, um, you'll find it everywhere, but by far margin, China is the number one consumer of fur. 
So how is fur green and sustainable? What, what, how, do, what, how do you get to that conclusion? Yeah, what kind of ridiculous argument is that? Tell us what, what they have. <laughs> well, <laughs> what you do is you come up with greenwashing arguments. <laughs> you be very vague. You provide no proof. You make irrelevant statements. I mean, there is nothing green about the fur industry. It's almost like someone, if someone were to say factory farming is um, green, is a green activity, it's environmentally um kind it's sustainable we would laugh if we heard those claims and yet the fur industry that is really their only hook now because they can't defend their industry against cruelty i mean it's just indisputable that animals are suffering in these in this industry so they try to make consumers feel good about using their product and so a lot of it goes to you know where's the ftc i mean the ftc is charged with making sure that consumers are not misled and deceived and they're just telling people you know giving them you know the the reason to buy the fur and it's just all bogus all false actually there was a campaign in canada a few years ago that fur is green and uh and actually there's an article on my website annuallawlawyer.com uh that i wrote about a year ago on the whole argument that fur is green is just insane. It doesn't mean it's like you say. There's no. It's it's not fiction, substantiated it's by any really good, strong evidence. So yeah, if any if anybody out there wants more information, actually, I want uh, people to go to your website. What's, but go to my article at animallawlawyer.com. You'll find it. I think it says ride your bicycle to work. Fur is green. Something like that. I forgot. I wrote it so long ago. But Kimberly, where, where could you please provide the, your website's name so people can go there and get more information? Absolutely. It's called Fur Free Society, and we're a 501c3 charitable organization. So it's furfreesociety.org or .com? .org. Fur Free Society. .org. That's all, because you're a 501c3. I should pay more attention. Okay. Uh, yep. Fur Free yep. Are you in Southern California, Kimberly? Uh, I would love to be there, but no, I am not. No, I'm you not don't want to be in Southern state. California. Are in California? <laughs> These are not good times here. Don't give us your address, but are you in California? I am not in California, no. Okay, so you're somewhere in the U.S.? Yep, I'm uh, usually between Florida and Washington, D.C. Okay. I have offices in both locations. Okay, okay, got it. Listen, if you know people, and you can help out on some of the other issues that we tackle here, because I don't know if you heard, up here in Port, Port Wanimi and all this, and then uh, just north of L.A., about 100 miles, whatever it is, you've got these vagrants, homeless folks, in a bird sanctuary, I don't know if you caught, you can catch it on our podcast and all that. Terrible. And we had another call in, nice lady who brought our, you know, the focus over there, and they're actually ruining the habitat yeah. of these endangered birds, and they will become extinct. Oh, jeez. So yeah, so so what added salt to the wounds this past week? Well, there's we have a story this, on that. This past week, very quick, very quick. Uh, this past week, so one of these vagrants uh, sees a woman walking her little, you know, little the lap dogs there, takes the dog kicks the dog like a football 20 feet into the air, displaces the heart of the dog, breaks the ribs of the dog. The dog's <gasps> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can Google news this. The oh. dog's on life support. And, you know, they just sit in Port Wanimi, where It's in Ventura County. Like I said, it's like, you know, 70, 100 miles north of L.A. It's all protected. It's terrible. So if you can network, if we all, you know, there's strength in numbers. If you can help in any way, shape, or form and, and call in with your, your, your rich uh, Ideas. Actually, we're really pushing the the city, and they have a director there now. So, if you know anybody sure. who can assist, they can send me an email at nancy at animallawlawyer dot com. We're pretty close to taking action. Uh, this is a protected um, in beach, and it's being uh, totally ruined. And, and the same guy knifed someone, didn't he? Knife someone? Well, didn't well I mean, that, that's why we have to let her go okay. now because Kimberly, we'd love to continue to talk to you. We'll have you on the show again, but we have to let you go because we have a few minutes to finish the story. But thank you so much, people. FurFreeSociety.org. Kimberly, you have a rest of the day. Have a rest of the Sunday. Kimberly, you're the best. And we know that your uncle is Roger Moore, James Bond. We know that also. Okay. okay. Got it. <laughs> okay. Right. Thank, thank you. you. Thank, you. Okay. But you're both. thank you so okay, much. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Well, this, moving right along. Since you, were, she, since you mentioned it, here we go. She's a great caller. She's so, great. So this is a great segue. So on Friday, August We'll, we'll 9th, finish the story on Lord Ashcroft next week. Let's, since you mentioned this. Uh, thank port, you. Go ahead. No, this is really terrible. I don't know why they put up with this crap. We have me. a few minutes left, so, so here, let's, Friday, let's go. Yeah, okay. On Friday, August 9th, officers from the Port Wanimi Police Department responded regarding a disturbance at, at the beach parking lot over there. 
On arrival, officers observed the subject, Dylan McTaggart, throwing punches at one of the Fort Wayne lifeguards. That's right. That's who he attacked. This is a sleaze bucket. Terrible. Upon seeing the police officers, McTaggart fled on foot but was quickly apprehended after a short foot pursuit. Prior to his encounter with a lifeguard, 25-year-old McTarget approached a woman and her small dog from behind along the beach and without provocation kicked the dog approximately 15 feet into the air. The dog went into shock and was rendered unconscious. Port Winnemi lifeguards attempted to intervene while the police were contacted. The small dog, known as Sophie, was kicked with so much force she was diagnosed as having a collapsed lung and a displaced heart. It's making all the talk shows here uh, in LA. It's just it's sad, terrible. These vagrants. Well, what a plague to Los Angeles. Uh, despite what the Yoga Pants says, the mayor. Yeah, of, uh, no, Los he, Angeles, yeah, he's got to go. He's got to go. Yoga Pants got to go. And Mr. Gruesome, there, yeah, the governor. Yeah. McTaggart is an Oxnard transit residing along the illegal encampments of Ormond, O R M O N D, Ormond Beach. He's been warned numerous times by Port Wanimi police for disturbing beachgoers on Wanimi Beach. He's a registered sex offender and on probation for assaulting officers and shoplifting. McTaggart was booked and later transported to Ventura County Jail for fighting in public, assault on a lifeguard, and felony animal cruelty. Sophie is currently resting at home and fighting for her life. Anyone who may have witnessed the event, please don't hesitate to contact Port Wanimi Police Department. 805-986-6530. That's 805-986-6530. Moving forward, the Port Wanimi Police Department will have an officer assigned to specifically to patrol that part of the beach area and to proactively contact individuals violating local, state, and federal laws. Calls for service involving transits disturbing uh, at the beach and citywide have doubled from last year. Yeah, Terrible. they're doubled from last year. Thank so you, we have no pants. time left. So next week we're going to continue the story a little bit about this Port Winnemi situation. We're going to finish the story with Lord Ashcroft. Want to talk a little bit more about eggs, and there's going to be a lot, lot more. So um, our thanks to Kimberly Moore. Yeah, thank you very and all much, you listeners. And uh, thanks for. Um, being a part of, of this show and uh, any comments, Nancy at animallawlawyer.com. Thank you for your time and attention, folks. We mean it. We're on the right side for animals. Okay, we're on the fair side. On the fair side. Okay, have a nice day. All right, take care. And folks. be the. And be the person your dog thinks you are. Okay, gotta go. Amen. You're listening to Animal News Magazine with Nancy DeFabio, only on L.A. Talk Radio.